Hey everyone, welcome to the Rice People Podcast. On this show, we talk to the innovators, creators, and thinkers doing some of the most interesting things in Asia. I'm Adil, and this is Wong Lei. We dive into their journeys, learn how they think, and cover why they're doing what they're doing. We hope to provide you the inspiration and insights you need to forge your own journey. You can access all our podcasts, including edited transcripts, show notes, and other resources to keep learning at ricepeoplepodcast.com. Our guest today is Greg Yeo, the host of the One Foot In podcast. On his podcast, you get introduced to individuals who have managed to get one foot into the doors of the top and fastest growing companies in the world. You get to know who they are, what their value systems are, and what worked to get them into their respective companies. Welcome to the show, Greg. Awesome. Great to be here. No, and it's and it's quite nice like hearing you say it because usually I'm the one that says this for every episode's recording. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feels weird, kind of feels weird, but you know, it's yeah, cool, yeah. it's cool. Good good to hear your own uh, uh, show description. Lines. Read back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good good copywriting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for for I guess uh, for people who may be unfamiliar with the One Foot In podcast, uh, could you maybe describe it for them, you know, what you guys do, who you guys speak to and and what can they get out of it? Yeah. Right, right. Um, so I, I, I think what kind of helps is also to share a bit about the One Foot In origin story because that, that, that would set a lot mm. of context on how in the world we even created it. So um, context-wise, right, for One Foot In, uh, at the end of 2020, Spotify has this thing called Spotify Rap, right? And they essentially tell you all of the different things that you have listened no, and you kind of realize how weird you are playing like the same song 24 times. Yeah, but, but you know, for, for me, it was, it was kind of cool. Um, Spotify's first, um, I guess, story that they shared with me was uh, I listen to more podcasts than I do music. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of cool. Like, it made me go like, wow, this guy is so learned, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. Okay. Self-reflection. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so, so totally missing the, the, the point here. Oh, shit. Right. <laughs> So right, um, basically when I when I found out that I listen to more podcasts than I do music, that like planted the whole seed in my mind whether or not like I might maybe enjoy making a podcast. Um, at that time as well, like I'm quite involved in mentor mentorship programs. Like mm. I like this idea of of giving back. And one thing that I notice is that every single junior always asks the same question to every single mentor, regardless of what level they are and what industry. They always ask them, how do they get in? What can I do to improve? So and so forth. What's your day-to-day like? And all mm-hmm. these questions seem strangely standardized, regardless of whoever they are talking to, right? And I found that this could be true for about 70% of most mentor-mentorship conversations. So as a result to that, I mean, straight up, it sounds like if I create a podcast, 70% of the content, I've already figured it out, <laughs> right? Yep. So it sounds like a path of least resistance to really see if I enjoy, right? Especially the nitty gritty parts of the podcast, like, you know, sound editing on Audacity and all that kind of crap, you know, honestly, like you, you have to see if you enjoy even the back end. <laughs> so um, that's kind of the origin story. Um, what, what it evolved into, right, I would say in the process of creating it, is that we wanted to create a podcast that um, one of our listeners actually said it well. One of our listeners said a mishmash of everything that's relevant to me. So mm. 
that that I feel encapsulates what we're trying to do here. We're trying to target as many things that a mentee would have asked as if this was a coffee chat and get that personal experience to kind of figure out what is the insider information and also the path that leads them there. So to me then, the metric of success to all the listeners out there is if you go to an interview, right, and you say that you've learned XYZ thing because of the podcast itself. So mm. that's what exactly it is in the origin story. Ah, wow. 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 So, so I mean, just to, just to double click on that, like you mentioned like uh, this, this is something that you feel most mentees or people who are, you know, in the third or fourth year of uni, figuring life out, uh, you should have all these questions, right? Did you have the, uh, those questions as well, like personally, uh, when you were, you know, at that stage of your life as well? Which yeah, was yeah. not too long ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, to be honest, right, I, those questions are one of the biggest in, in my mind. Because for someone like me, right, like my academics is terrible. So, I... I Preach. No, no, like, like, like I graduated with a second lower second lower yeah but you know so so like to to me i i I guess i've always known that academics isn't where i can play Mm -hmm. so if that's not where i can figure things out then how exactly can i do so um one thing that i clearly over indexed on i think is internships like i try Mm -hmm. to stuff myself with a lot of internships but another way is also to try and have a linkedin conversation have coffee chats with people to kind of understand um what's it like uh, what does it take to get in? Mm-hmm. And after a while, I realized that these questions are the same questions that is always asked to me when I started participating in the mentor mentorship program as well. Mm. Mm. I think th- I think there's this very interesting phrase you use, right? Like, what is the playing field that works for you? I think that's very important. Um, how do you figure out like what is that playing field that you can really shine and you can really play like a superstar, like an MVP? Right. Um, so I, I have the benefit of hindsight now to, to kind of craft the story, <laughs> <laughs> but if, if I have to be, okay, and I'll, and I'll first share with you what is, what is the knowledge that I have now, mm-hmm. um, having interviewed, uh, about 32 graduates, um, more or less about eight people from middle to upper management, um, what, what we've learned from a data centric approach, right, especially for undergraduates is that to get the higher starting pay, which is kind of what we're qualifying right now as success. Mm-hmm. Um, not a very popular opinion in 2021, yeah, 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 right, definitely. to say higher starting pay. But, you know, there's very few data points that I could have. So qualifying um, pay, starting pay as a point of success, um, there are a couple of things that is obvious. People with four internships will have the highest starting pay. People with first class will have 20% higher starting pay than the people with um, the next grade. Uh, also, we found that for people who have four internships, about 90% of them would have gotten it because of network. So they mm-hmm. would have gotten one of it via networking. And um, when I share all these different things, right, what I've learned now in retrospect is that actually codifying success, at least from an undergraduate to finding a job is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's really, you either do a lot of internships, you really do re- really great grades, you really be a president in a school club, right? But, but, that is me That's with the benefit of, of hindsight. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I, 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 can, I, can, I can tell. I can tell. So, <laughs> so, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm honestly feeling very insecure. La. Okay, no. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, but um, when, when, I, when I realized that, it's really not rocket science. 
Um, but but what is important is is as an individual, there's no way you can do all of those. If you do all of those, right, mm. it's really very hard. I would say to have a life unless un <laughs> unless you're a genius, right. So so that is me sharing in retrospect how to know what mm. are the things that work for you. Mm. To a listener out there, those are the vectors that you can play. So it's the number of internships, your academic grade, whether or not you've been a school club president or not, as well as expanding your network. But I also want to touch on the fact that you asked me back then, how did I decide on the playing field? To be honest, if I have to be like super frank, I think it's just uh, by elimination. I just mm. knew a cat is bad. So what else is out there for me was either internships or just networking with, with people. Lah. So that's kind of how I went about doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that story strikes a strong chord with me as well. Like by the time <laughs> I reached my uh, sec second year, you know, taking MCs, missing exams and because I never prepared for them and, you know, year three, year four, I decided like, you know, uh, going about the internship route and, and establishing myself as a skilled mm -hmm. person versus a uh, academically great person, right, was the way to do it instead of, you know, since I know one path is shut off, right? But this is my favorite topic to talk about. We'll touch back on this a bit later, but nice. I, I just to uh, look back into how you started the podcast, right? I'm just curious, like, you know, when you had this initial thought of creating this idea for a podcast that talks to people who are getting into these companies and illustrating the stories and the journeys for undergraduates, you know, did you like bounce these ideas of, uh, you know, people around you, your social network, your own uh, family? I'm just curious, what, what did they think about, you know, you starting this kind of thing? Because I guess at least in the Asian con or Southeast Asia context, you know, podcasts may seem like uh, a big thing already, especially to people who are listening to podcasts. But to be honest, majority of people still are not in the scene yet. Correct, correct. Um, so firstly, the, the, the thing that I didn't do is to bounce this off with my family. I, I, I think it's always scary to yeah, share yeah. to Asian. <laughs> Do you see me look like I'm scared <laughs> yeah, yeah, like my yeah. mother? Like, boy, ah, boy, huh? you podcast, ah, huh? is that what the mic is for? I thought you were music. Okay, no, no, so, so no, 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 no. Okay, but like, um, what I what I found is that generally, to, to, to your point, most people won't know about podcasts. Mm. And when they're familiar with podcasts, they will be familiar with American podcasts that are very mm. stylized mm. and something that's quite unattainable for like the average Joe to, to do, yeah. right? Uh, just yeah. to provide some context to listeners, like Gimlet Media, for some of their podcasts that they create, right, they will spend five times the duration, five it's to ridiculous. ten times the duration of their raw file. And their raw file is two to three times the duration of their actual file that they release. So on, on that point, right, um, for me, I think I knew 70% of them, what exactly would the questions be like? Mm -hmm. uh, what was interesting is I actually bounced this off several people who I knew that were working in human resource fields. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky mm -hmm. that I have friends across these different places, right? Um, and what I actually learned is while 70% of the things that you know is what people will want to ask. Mm -hmm. Not everything um, can you ask very upfront. And, and there are many things that also to a graduate who's working, it's very hard to ask. For example, right, um, one of the, the tougher questions if I ask would be how exactly did you um, think you get this internship? Mm -hmm. And it's very tough for them to answer because they'll always go like, okay, this is what I think. And it's yeah, very yeah, easy yeah. for them to share with you on a coffee chat. But now you put it on a public forum, right? They are also kind of scared like, can I make fun of or whatever, right? <laughs> or like there's some awkwardness there. Um, or maybe if I say things like, oh, you strike me as someone very hardworking, then they'll feel a bit 
like paise later their boss go like, eh, what are you very hardworking? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So um, I bounce things off with these different people in human resource, which I think helped me a lot. And other than doing that, right, uh, I I do feel, and this could be more of a weakness for I think people who who over-index in internships rather mm-hmm. than academics. I do feel that I learned better when I just went around doing it. Mm. So I started um, interviewing a bunch of people and the first eight episodes was actually trash. Like I wanted to release it and the first eight was really bad. So then I had to rewrite everything and rethink things through. Then I released the next few. So there was a lot wow. of, I guess, re-edit, a lot of retakes, which thankfully those eight episodes were my friends. So yeah, now yeah, they're no yeah. longer my friends. <laughs> la, but Okay, no. No, but, no, but, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Okay, uh, at least four are, la, at least four yeah, are. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do still feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, in short, I'll say I bounced this off with people in human resource and I went to practice it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I think I think when we mm. when we wanted to start our podcast also, it was like, I think our mindset was like, just do it, right? I think from the time we, we thought about it to when we started, it was like two, three weeks or something and like finding yeah, our... Two weeks. And we knew we wanted like a killer first guest, so we... Found so you guy. got the the work salary man. Work yeah, 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 yeah. Huge. Yeah, the yeah, fact yeah, yeah. That you guys I, I, until man. today, he's still our biggest episode. So it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Congrats, yeah. man. And and so I'm just uh, I'm just curious, like since you mentioned, like uh, you're trying to show people how to get into some of these top and best companies uh, in the world, as you mentioned. Uh, how do you define, you know, what what are these top and best companies in your opinion? Yeah. Mm. So um. To me, right, I think it's just companies that I know people want to get in. Mm. And to be honest, it's not very hard. Like Fortune 500, any of these companies, people would ideally want to get in. So I mainly targeted those. Um, And also a function of it is who are the people that I knew, um, who Mm. I'm close to, that are part of this list. So then everything started forming. What I found also, which is quite interesting, is that people like talking about themselves. Hence, I'm here. Okay, no. no pe- pe- people like talking about themselves. And I found out that like 30% of the people who I invited in the end turns out to be cold calls. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a very nice experience to know that um, people want to give back, right? And also there's some kind of like community spirit around here, which like helps make my podcast so much easier, right? So much yeah, easier. Absolutely. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I mean I guess this is probably the most important question of all. But why why did you call the podcast One Foot In? <laughs> I mean I could guess, but we'd love to hear your own story for this uh, title. Right. Yeah. So um, I I One Foot In right is actually named by one of my friend. He's uh, the last guest in season one. His name is called Juden, and he made it to Unilever as a mm-hmm. assistant manager. Um. Basically, I think I had a really dumb name. I think I had some name called Staircase to Success. <laughs> good. It's good it's and, not the name now. <laughs> and, and after that, I sent it to him and he was like, bro, what, what the hell is up with you? And he just coughed <laughs> it out. Like he just went, hey, how about one foot in? And I was like, whoa, shit, sounds yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, wow. kind of the origins. And, and I think it sounds nice because yeah. of the idea of one foot into the company, right? Since season one, we're not really interviewing uh, I guess like middle or upper management, like what we intend to mm-hmm. do in season two, um, but it's more focusing on graduates entering. So yeah, it was a it was a great name. Super cool, super cool. Yeah. So 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 just now you said um, season two, so I'm assuming season one and season two you have different teams. 
Can you, oh, can you walk thanks. us through? Thanks yeah. for asking. I was really, you know, I was like, <laughs> when can I share this? Okay, <laughs> so um, season two, right? Uh, and we're actually going to go live this Thursday. Wow. Um, I know this episode podcast will probably not be released then. Yep. So just for the context of the listeners, it'll be happening on the 5th of August. Um, what happened for this particular season is that um, prior to launching season two, we talk about a two and a two to three months break. Um, during that period, we actually did a lot of consumer research. We did quantitatives, we did qualitatives to kind of understand what exactly do our listeners like, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we found out that there's actually two groups of people among our listener pool. About 80% of them are penultimate to um, working or young working adults. Within that 80%, it's broadly split about 50-50. So what this means to us is actually somehow we are getting two target audiences here. One, mm. it's like in uni. Another, it's working already. But I guess since you start off at work, you're still open to the idea of exploring different industries. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. When I was speaking to them, then obviously the conversation came about like, maybe if we can learn more from middle to upper management, that'll be something very interesting. So for season two, right, um, our core belief still is mentorship, right? And mentorship, at least on my level, comes from interviewing people at my level. So therefore, we would still release 16 episodes um, of essentially early hires. But after that, we also have eight eight more episodes that would happen um, Mm bi-weekly where we interview middle to upper management. So it includes like a VP of brand from Love Bonito. We also have a senior partner in one of those audit firms. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. So it's really really a whole... uh, You're really showing people how to navigate their entire careers, right? From the... I guess in season one is like the starting point and then season two starts to build on uh, early career to, you know, some uh, fast risers getting to mm. uh, middle management and stuff like that. So, correct, yeah, correct. super cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and just to uh, touch on the podcast itself a bit, I guess me and Wong Lei don't talk about this too much uh, with our audience, but I would love to hear, since you're the first podcaster we are interviewing, we would love to hear you talking us through like, what goes into a typical episode, right? From the sourcing to recording to marketing. I'm sure majority of the people have listened, who have listened to podcasts have never really thought about the immense amount of work that goes on behind the scenes besides us, you know, <laughs> talking crap on the mics, right? <laughs> correct, correct. Um, correct on the part of talking crap on the mics. Okay, no. <laughs> so, um, typically, right? Typically, I think there is there is about three parts to to this entire process. Um, the first one is sourcing and questions. The second one is the recording. And I think the third one is the processing. So when it comes to sourcing and recording, right, I think it's fairly quick, fairly straightforward. Um, you can find out a lot about a person at most with one hour mm-hmm. of just Googling and searching about who they are. Um, I think the recording itself is also maybe about two two times the actual duration of what is released. So if it's a 30-minute episode, typically the recording will be one hour. <laughs> the part that I think where the grind happens, right, is really the last part, which is the editing itself. So on, on that part, um, I had always relied on... So I've, I've, I've tried it. I tried Audacity, and I felt the quality that I can bring to the table, right, is nothing. So therefore, I really pivoted into using Fiverr. Mm. and meeting one of these people that do the sound edits, right? And to be honest, 
they they'll do it way better. That's right. Right. That's right. Right. <laughs> so in the editing process, like I think that there's two things that's very important. First one is the content edit, and the second one is the audio edit. So the content edit, which is really the flow that you want to create, right? And however you want to design it. This one, I think we need to own because we are the ones that write the story, right? Mm. So we are the ones that should be able to tell it in the best way. Then after that, all the ums, ahs, or me going like, blah, blah, right, would eventually <laughs> be edited out. Um, and that one, I prefer to rely on someone who has experience. So that would be, I'll say the three parts to designing the podcast. The wow. other part that I think is a long stretch, Mm-hmm. which I'm super lucky to actually um, have, a, have a group of people to help me, which is the whole marketing process. So uh, we have a very simple, um, I'll say it's more of an apprenticeship program, mm-hmm. um, which is basically where we have a group of people that are helping us to do content marketing roles. So mm-hmm. it is, I guess, the easiest way to understand it is like an internship. But I like to structure it more as an apprenticeship because it is more about kind of teaching them and telling them what exactly we we want to do and what exactly we want to design. So these are the people that actually help me produce all of the collaterals, help me do all the last mile marketing, which, you know, honestly, without them and their creative eye, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just not very creative. La. Let's just put it that way. I'm not <laughs> very creative. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess that's... That's also part of the balancing act that you're doing today, right? Where you have your full-time 9-to-5 job as well as, uh, you know, uh, the tons of work that goes into running the podcast, which can be uh, pretty taxing as well. And I think you've mentioned uh, uh, this a little bit earlier, like in terms of the goal of the podcast, but maybe just would love to double-click on that, like in your opinion, as when you started out this podcast, what what do you feel is uh, success to you in running this podcast, right? And are there any, like, you know, uh, metrics that you track or are you a, a no metrics kind of guy you know I know there are people who are just like the metrics don't matter we just want to produce great content but there are people Correct. who you know feel like it's important to feel like we are doing something for an audience that is listening right and if I'm shouting into the void for a few hours every <laughs> every week then why am I doing this right yeah that's so funny that you say shouting into the void it's quite funny <laughs> um, okay so so on, on that question, right, um, if you speak to Rovik, I'm not sure if you've heard of uh, this, this man. His name is called Rovik Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a podcaster and he's actually quite involved in a lot of um, social entrepreneurship in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So for him, he founded The Hidden Good. So he has this podcast, it's called SG Explained. Ooh. Okay. And basically he goes around um, talking to all these different people in Singapore and try to explain things. Like wow. um, he has explained things like prostitution in Singapore. Oh shit, that's super to, interesting. To something nice. as, wow. as I guess ubiquitous as uh, soccer in Singapore. So he, he explains all of, all of these things, right? And um, if, you, if you talk to him, he would say that in podcasting he sees that there are two types of podcaster Mm -hmm. there's a content driven one or rather podcast driven or a listener driven one Mm -hmm. so a podcast driven one is where he believes like you double down on what you believe is good and you always focus on that and the people who follow you are your greatest fans Mm -hmm. then there are those that's listener driven where you try and listen to all the different inputs that your listener have and then you try to drive your podcast according to what you think that they would appreciate the most so it's less thinking about the content that you make, but more thinking about who are the years that are listening. 
So um, these are the two different ways that he would describe it. So now I'll share with you two different extreme scenarios. If you take like listener centric more to the extreme, I, I would say it's similar to this other podcaster, you know, and, and his name is Reggie Cole. Um, and he runs the Financial Coconut, right? Uh, if you just check out his LinkedIn easily, he's very open about his numbers. Mm-hmm. He has 10K followers and more. Um, for someone like him, right, uh, I'll, I'll say that on one hand, he cares a lot about the content that he creates. On another hand, he's definitely listener-driven. Um, his listen-through rates is off the charts, right, which is nuts. Um, easily at a 100% mark, it'll be 88%, 90%, which is which is really amazing. Then there are those that I'll say is a lot more content-driven, and they're very mm-hmm. focused on what they want to produce, like um, Startup Climb by E1, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Um, JJ Tam who creates hashtag learning podcasts. And these two are one of the oldest in the blog, right? They are very, very experienced. You you, you can go and talk to, to them. Mm. Um, so I talked to all of them to try and get a sense of like, what are the things that's meaningful, right? And, and I think it's important for someone, if you're working part-time and treating this as a side gig, to talk to people who treat this as a side gig as well, right? Because comparing yourself with the Financial Coconut, the top business podcast, local Singapore podcast in Singapore, it's tough when they're working yeah. full-time, right? And they have yeah. kind of like a team. So um, when I was talking to all of them, one thing that struck me was kind of what JJ and Ehuan were sharing. They shared that it's very important to to not be obsessed about the metrics. So mm-hmm. then they would share that, you know, essentially not all their glitters is always gold, right? When you see all these numbers going up. Um, and to me, right, my, my approach is a little bit in between. My approach is that I don't think these metrics is the goal, but I think that they are a diagnostic. So mm-hmm. if I am creator driven and podcast driven, then I can evaluate on a diagnostic standpoint whether or not I'm doing something meaningful. So whether I want to pivot or not for a listener um, might be a short-term or long-term thing. If you pivot right now to gain a lot mm-hmm. of followers really quickly, you're not sure if this is something that long-term would sustain yep. someone as a fan, right? But you might get a lot of new trial lists, people who just follow and then eventually drop off. So to me, I kind of look in between. Like I do all the research to, to listen to all of the fans and to understand what the listener wants Mm -hmm. then of course we try and create a content to see if it works but also we want to maintain our competitive advantage which is understanding them also knowing the questions to be asked and that's the layer that we put on top instead of just listening purely to what the listeners are wanting Mm. Mm. sweet sweet yeah yeah. Yeah, that i mean this is really a huge balancing act between what your listeners want and what you believe is really good content um I, besides I think this, I, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I was just okay. saying, like, I think we are, like, on the <laughs> one spectrum <laughs> where we, we actually don't... I think all we see is, like, downloads. We, we actually don't look at anything else. And nice. then we just keep putting shit out. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's how we roll. <laughs> Hope it works. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. And it, and it works, right? Like, did you guys take a look at your own podcast on Chartable? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no. Honestly, we haven't looked at it on, like... Yeah, all these things. Uh, and on the marketing side, I think we're still at like a very premature stage. Like we're just mm. putting out yeah. like snippets and stuff. So so much to learn from like the likes of you and, uh, you know, the <laughs> older folks, right? So so like I know uh, yours, you guys are putting out like all the LinkedIn uh, summaries and all these kinds of things, right? Which is a lot of hard work. So we should mm. definitely yeah. steal, steal some of your uh, yes. stra- strategies yes. of, uh, you know, having a... Uh, copy in, interns, interns and uh, and Fiverr, yeah. <laughs> I, I've considered the Fiverr thing, but wasn't sure on the quality that would come out. So, 
uh, good to have your uh, uh, feedback on that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, Wong Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like great artists still, right? So <laughs> that's what we are gonna do. Nice. Yeah. Um, Please copy wholesale. Take my picture also, lah. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, gonna put all over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, um, I want to ask as well. What are some of the biggest challenges so far in bootstrapping a podcast from the ground up? Besides balancing the content and listening to your listeners. Yeah. Right. Um. So on 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 this right, um, other than I guess the fact of having a full time job, mm-hmm. um, if we are looking at the podcast itself, like, I I truly believe that the hardest part is having confidence in kind of what works, and and being, I guess, less embarrassed about doing it. So what is one example? Um, when I was producing collaterals for LinkedIn, one of the biggest things that I had is like my boss follows me on LinkedIn, right? A <laughs> um, couple of people follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, my friends follow me on LinkedIn. Is it very pretentious if I put all these things out, you know? And it's so <laughs> weird. Like I would go like, oh my God, this is so strange. Right. So this is the the part. (laughs) Right. This is the part where you keep second guessing yourself. Essentially, it's like, oh, it's like you buy a secret lab chat and you don't want to post it on Instagram. You know, you just feel a bit like, oh, feeling a bit awkward. Right. So, so to to me, right. Um, what I think is important that kind of helped me is that uh, it's it 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 will be weird lah. And I think Mm -hmm. anything that you do generally will be weird if it is not very mainstream. So if that's the case, right, since it's going to be weird, right, you would rather the weird thing succeed than the weird thing die. Mm, so if I want the weird thing to succeed, then since it's going to be weird either way, let's rock and roll, man. <laughs> so I just started launching it. Uh, what I found is, uh, you know, my friends make fun of me, but, you know, it, it, it has also really, really great um, content. Um, and, and I think eventually what kind of keeps me going to continue doing this is the fact that every now and then you will get messages la, mm. of the people that are listening to the content. You will get messages of the people that have even sent the people who you interview, right? Uh, that they say, wow, uh, what the hell? This person from Hong Kong just messaged me that they listen to your podcast. That's weird, man. <laughs> yeah, so all these things, right? As you collect them and you keep them on a slide, you keep them on a Word document or whatever, helps whenever you feel a bit awkward. And then you look at it and you're like, okay, let's go. Yeah, then, you know, that's that's yeah, kind yeah. of how I, my principle behind it. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's I think uh, even even though yeah. we are talking very podcast-centric now, I think it's super applicable to, you know, whatever else you do, right? Regardless of what type of side hustle you're hustling on. Mm. Like, just keeping in mind, like, I guess our audience or your customers' feedback is the thing that keeps you uh, very motivated in doing what you're doing, right? Yeah, and, mm. and now, maybe on the flip side of that, we'd love to know, like, what has been, like, the... Uh, highest of the highs, right? I'm sure there have been some throughout the uh, first 16 episodes, so we'd love right. to hear about that. Right. Um, I, I, I think the best part um, on a metric standpoint then mm-hmm. was when we charted in Apple Podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's nuts that uh, as we were producing the content, right, we, we kind of knew that, okay, it needs to be engaging, it needs to be so and so forth, and it's very important to grow your followership. Um, 
what happened is that there was this one day where you know I got a notification, and it was in Apple Careers um, second in Singapore. Wow! And I was like, whoa, wow. that's nuts, right? It's nuts that even people kind of care for it to be placed <laughs> on the charts, right? Um, what was crazier then is after that I had a notification that it was ranked seven in Thailand podcast careers Ooh. and I was like wow. wow do I wow do I sound you know so international right so <laughs> I, I I think that is the highest point because as I mentioned before like these things are diagnostics for me to know if what I did makes sense and it, it felt great that the mysterious apple gods right shine on me and they say okay <laughs> you make sense this season my young child yeah, so it, it, it definitely felt great. Definitely felt great to be validated. The other thing that I think was very important is also for my interns um, to know that what they did was very meaningful, right? Sometimes um, in the position where you're, where you're telling them to do things, change things, right? And being in their position before, like, I know sometimes you don't have the vision or the viewpoint to see the bigger picture. And it's also very hard to share with them that, hey, this might work because sometimes it's a gut feeling. And seeing these things just make me feel like, okay, more confident that I'm not wasting their, their time, right? So yeah, I'll, I'll say, felt great, felt great. Sweet, sweet. And, and, yeah. and I, I guess I would like now to pivot the podcast to maybe just talking about a couple of uh, interesting things that you know, we just love to touch on. Uh, so maybe just rewinding back further before this podcast, before you started your job, we'd love to understand more about your own college experience, right? Uh, since you're just a couple of years out of uni, what kind of student were you back then? And and since this is the time where your audience actually gets to know uh, who you are, right? So so uh, what kind of student were you back then? And, and if you had to look back on your school life and pick up one or two moments that really impacted you on to the career choices as well as even doing like podcasting today, what would those be? Right, okay. Um... Super interesting though, because this is the first question that I always ask in every of my podcast episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reverse engineering. <laughs> yeah, you know. And now I realize why they take so long to answer. It's quite hard. <laughs> okay, okay, no. No, no, no. So, um, so in, in university, right, uh, and pretty much like the best parts of my life, even now, I would say, uh, I'm, I'm quite, like, I guess, playful in nature and quite rebellious in mm-hmm. I guess the way that I, I tend to live my, my life. Um, in uni, I think it's no different. Like in uni, what I really cared about in year one was like, how many orientation camps can I go in? And how can I be like a group leader in them? You know, like, okay, there's like NBS, Nanyang Business School camp. Yeah, that's where I want to go. Then there's sports camp. And then there's hall camp. And I was like super motivated for all of these. To me, like the goal is like, hey, I want to be a group leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the benefit that I have is that in Nanyang Business School, it's a three-year course. So unlike other courses, which is four, sometimes even five, right? I have the benefit that at the second year of my uni, in one more year, I'm going to graduate and end up working, right? And I think that was like a big wake-up call um, mm. because now all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, these things are very important. And I think last time in life, right, the metrics to succeed, right, or to be quote-unquote cool, it's like how much you can drink, you know, how much you can talk rubbish. But but these metrics are non-applicable, right? When you 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 start working. It's a little, or should I say less applicable in the interview room. Mm-hmm. Um so to me, right, I I think rejections is okay. 
because I've always been someone that I think like the academic system would say that you know not the best ideal candidate. Like MOE won't take me up and put my face there. Like. <laughs> so, so um, to me, rejection was quite alright. Like I've been rejected a few times, but I but I think what really what really affected me was um somewhere around year two, when I had to look for internships. Right, um, mm-hmm. it became increasingly clear that. A hundred percent, I will not get. So wow. I, I think a couple of rejections was fine, but I think when it became a point where like I kind of knew, okay, there's no way I'm gonna get. That's when I really freaked out a lot. Um, to me, I subscribed to a very simple life because I was doing finance, banking, and finance in year two. So to me, it was like the only way forward is investment banking. And I remember I went to like my career prof, and I was like, I want to be an investment banker. Or I want to be like some other super successful human being, and and then they were like, "Wow, uh, when we look at your grades, right? I think there's a lot of effort that you need to work on." And I'm like, "No, no, no, I'll I'll do it, I'll do it," right? So, th- there was that contrast. Um, when I finally came to the time to get an internship, I was lucky enough that um, I managed to get a finance intern mm-hmm. um, because a friend recommended me. the The challenge then for me actually was. Um, if I could live up to expectations, within like the first few weeks, I really didn't like, I guess, um, the nature of a working office, and and maybe that's because I'm too playful. So to me, it's such a stark contrast, right? That you cannot say a lot of things, or you know, you can't just take an Insta story of your colleague <laughs> eating in the office or whatever, right? which is you know, like it just started to feel a little bit strange. Um, to me, that's when I wanted to pivot into marketing, and I think that's when everything started changing for me. Um, when I pivoted into marketing was when I felt like uh, I felt like something was a lot closer to mm-hmm. feeling normal. So after that, I pivoted to market research because I wanted to try the grittiest parts of marketing. If you and I mean back end research is oftentimes viewed as the grittier part, right? So if you like the grittier part, everything else should be uh, positive. So when I did that, I mean I didn't hate it. Like I felt like I could do it. So then I started pursuing more marketing internships. Then I went to Johnson and Johnson. Then I eventually went to PNG for an internship. Um, after that, then I went to NTU's OEP program, which is called mm. Overseas Entrepreneurial Program. That functions like NUS um, NOC program. And for those who don't know both, it is a program, <laughs> right? Which essentially the school sends you overseas to do a startup internship with the hope of you um, learning entrepreneurial skills. Um, needless to say, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just went to the US and I, and I, and I had fun. Like, it, was, it, was, it was awesome, right? It was awesome, you know. Um, but the, the work was very interesting because a startup in the US is really like extra startup-ish versus Singapore startup. Mm, and, and just to give some context, right, um, to the listeners, like, I still remember somewhere around 6 p.m., my boss just went like, hey, Greg. It's like, yes. I'm like, oh my God, wow, OT, uh, wow, shit, the work's coming in. He was like, Greg, you want to go and drink at the bar? I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, who's this guy? Did he call the wrong Greg? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I started realizing that, you know, that there's this other kind of style and other way. His name is Sam Viskovich. Um, he's a he's a super cool guy. He started his own company now in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and and from there, like I think I started, I guess, appreciating a bit of like the grittier side of work, um, less into structure. Uh, from there, 
I'll say that's when I had to make a choice on whether or not um, I wanted to work uh, more in a MNC or more in a startup. To be honest, uh, I think my decision in the end was super simple. Uh, and you know, some people would argue it might be too simple. But anyway, my, my, my decision process is uh, every startup wants to be an MNC one day or be bought over. So if that's what they want to be, right? And to me, like <laughs> I struggle the most in an MNC, then I should learn the parts that's hardest, right? Since I enjoy a startup. And maybe yeah. one day, like if I ever do pivot out, then at least I've kind of had the experience of the end goal in mind. So that's kind of how I went around doing it. Um, and eventually, yeah, I went into PNG. And there you have it, guys. One foot in <laughs> listeners. Uh, this is uh, you, the story of your host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and so as you mentioned, right, you, you've, now you're in marketing, you used to do finance and everything. Now you have your one foot in podcast. I'm just curious if, and, and you specifically chose this niche of like career uh, choices, career development topic, right? I'm just curious, like maybe during that brainstorming phase or, or maybe just any random thoughts you have, like if you weren't covering this uh, specific uh, niche uh, for your podcast, right? Is there another interest of yours that you would love to host a podcast about? Yes, craft beer, 100%. 100%. No, no, look. Look, you see, I, I, I must say, right, that, you know, as you, as you start making a bit more money, mm-hmm. you, would, you would start to, like, explore different spending opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess for me, right, alcohol had always been a bit more functional. It's like hanging out with friends and less about the flavor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, I guess my friends introduced to me craft beer. And to me, it was very mind-blowing. It was very mind-blowing how something can taste so bad. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this thing? And why is it so bitter? <laughs> like, it's so weird. It's so bitter and smells a bit like some pine or whatever. Um, then it kind of became like chili and it was an acquired taste. Like, after I drank a few times, I was like, wow, you know, it's like pretty interesting. There's a lot of notes. So that kind of got me interested in the fact on the different kind of ingredients that you can put inside. And I realized that the entire craft beer culture is all about being rebellious in nature. Every single craft beer company thrives on the idea of being a rebellious brand and that they want to push the boundaries. And this kind of resonated with me as a person, mm-hmm. being just a bit more rebellious in nature. So drinking craft beer then became something of an interest. And you know, so it's definitely something that I foresee myself doing in the future. And the uh, and the sponsorship uh, agreements would be, you know, crates, <laughs> crates of crates of beer to your house, you know. Yeah, much wow, much to my parents' dream. disappointment. So you know, probably crates of beer to my friends' house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, can you also share um one of the most interesting guests you have spoken to so far on your one foot in? Right, right. Um, so to to me, this sound very mind blowing, but I'm not sure if it's mind blowing to everyone. Um, every time when I interview or I talk to at least to my group of friends, they always say like, wow, you know, the amount of resumes you must send is like 50, 100, it's like nuts. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. So to me, right, it's very easy to ask the question. So as I do this podcast, I always go like, okay, like how many resumes do you send? And I always like to put things into context on how real the number of numbers you must send, right? Mm-hmm. That sending 10 really doesn't cut it. So... In episode two, I have this uh, friend, Regine, from Food Panda. Um, she, then when I interviewed her, she was a category executive. She recently got promoted. So, you know, hooray, mm-hmm. congrats. Um, for her, right? For her, I remember asking, 
asking her, hey, how many resumes do you send for her first internship? She was like, one. I was like, yeah, so the number is very high. Oh, what the hell is one? Then she was like, yeah, I only sent one resume. And I was like, huh? That's nuts. Then I was like, what about like your second internship? She was like, one. I was like, what the hell? Who's your, you know, like, which daughter are you? Like, who do you do? <laughs> which which right? minister do you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> then after that, she said on her full-time role, she roughly sent, I think, four or five. Then mm. she had like 50% of them that she sent got back to her on an interview. Mm. And then she eventually got one of them. So like, that's nuts, right? Most people have like a 0.5% rate of eventually clearing, right? Mm. So hearing this to me was extremely insane and bewildering. Um, and basically, right, her principle is super simple. Like she's saying, right, that I think customization is very important. And I like to customize my resume and my story exactly to the brand that I'm going for. And she then says, right, that, and if you are so sure that this is the company that you want, like, this is your top pick, like, why do you even bother sending out 50 if, like, this is really the top pick, right? So then she really went around customizing it, and it's nuts. So her first internship was in CNBC, which is not easy to get, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And she got the internship, and she really crafted a resume, right? Apparently following the CNBC website. Wow. Her cover letter oh. was something like a news article for CNBC. Mm -hmm. And to her, right, she literally memorized a lot of the social media posts. Mm -hmm. So in the end, when they ask her questions on culture, she will just quote all these social media posts, so and so forth. She's like very ready to be adopted into the company, essentially. <laughs> yeah. right? and, and I think that this is very bewildering. Like, just to hear that, that level of assurance and conviction, right, that this is where I want to go, so why do I even bother doing something else? Like, you say that this is your dream, then why? why don't do your dream so yeah. i found her very interesting and it's also quite quite eye-opening to know that she's kind of like a friend so mm -hmm. and i didn't know this thing right uh -huh. like yeah we always put our our assumptions onto everyone on these different things as if she sent 50 resume so this was very interesting to me uh and i think very very eye-opening hmm. yeah um yeah actually building on this right do you have any dream guest that you really want to invite onto your show and who would that be? A dream guest? Yeah, yeah if yeah. you could invite anyone, right? I mean, uh, career-related or anymore. otherwise, yeah. <laughs> wow. Tough question. This is the first time I was asked this. <laughs> one of, one of the, the things about this is that like I'm thinking, do I want to pick someone who I really, really want on the show? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to pick someone who I think is really, really hard to get on the show? And that's a bit of a problem for me. Okay, so if I have to like choose my heart, like who's someone who I really, really, really want on the show, um, I'll say Love Bonito founder, Rachel. Mm. Um, it'll be cool to also have the CEO there as well. Uh, very interesting to just talk to, to, to them. Because they came into NTU, a marketing club, many years oh. ago. Wow. Uh, I was there as a freshman or something and I wanted okay I think year two year two I was there because I was thinking of pivoting over to marketing she was there and she was giving a whole conversation about what was it like marketing there she even talked very briefly about how she was like doing the delivery 
on the products itself, like putting into boxes, which is just a very interesting conversation in my mind, right? Knowing how big they are now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Like when you Looking see them back. now, yeah, you're just like, oh my God, they're insane, right? Like they're so creative, they're so advanced, they're so empowering, they're so purpose-driven. Um, talking to the VP of brand was very eye-opening to kind of get a sense of flavor of the scale that they have mm-hmm. reached and the vision that they have, la, and also the kind of structure that they have in place. Um, so it's just nice to hear their story, kind of get deep into the details on how tough it was. Yeah. Right. And and also very interesting to know why all her partners, all her founders left but her at the mm. end. So I was very curious on this. Maybe they didn't leave in terms of equity, but I know like they pursued other things. Mm-hmm. So very curious on this aspect. Um that is like if you ask me who do I like one. Right. Um who do I think is impossible to get, but I would love to have on the show, right? <laughs> is a CEO of Spotify. Ah, uh, Daniel Ek, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, uh, right, right. definitely. Him, yeah. and as well as this other guy called Mark B. Randolph. Oh. Um, the CEO of Spotify, to be honest, why I would love to talk to him is because, I mean, podcast is really driven by him and Apple. Mm-hmm. It's very curious to hear what he sees the future of podcasting to be, right? And what's the biggest play? Maybe the part that I love the most, right, is not the podcast recording, is the off-the-record chat. <laughs> That's the part that I think I would love the, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, most. Yeah, definitely. Right? definitely. Um, but the other yeah. person is Mark B. Randolph. And I think Mark B. Randolph is, that is the Netflix, like... Netflix? Correct. Yeah. Correct. He's the Netflix founder. So he's like really the idol that I want to be in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's truly untouchable to get on. La. So so just a bit of backstory to everyone. Mark B. Randolph, um, he's the founder of Netflix. Um, but he exited. Uh, and now his net worth is about 200 million. What's interesting about him is that he he wrote a book. You can go and read it. It's called That Would Never Work. And basically, this guy, um, what's interesting about him is for someone who starts a company that's ubiquitous, it's surprising that he's not worth like close to billion <laughs> or mm. exceeding billion, right? Uh, the reality is because he said that he wanted to manage his family. He thought to himself, like, what kind of father will I be? What kind of person will I be? And that's why I want to exit. And look, 200 million is not poor. La. So, <laughs> you know, I will yeah. say you have access to most things in life, right? Um, but it's also the discipline that he has, right, to look past a single vector of success in life. And and I think mm-hmm. it's always very refreshing to hear these people that, that they are not like telling you you need to work to the ends of the earth until your bones break for the next 60 years. Because it sometimes like, especially as guys, right, Mm -hmm. to be cool and successful is like to have billions. And it's kind of okay somehow if you're a horrible father, right? It's really (laughs) fine. Or like a horrible husband. Like even if you cheat, then for some reason, you are still respected by a certain community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And and this is something that I find always bewildering that it's over indexed. People will make movies on you on how you betray your friends or whatever, right? And it's and it's insane. But but this approach that he took, um, like maybe it's not very trending to say, but it's a more, I guess, a more family oriented approach. And to, to me I find that very, very compelling to know why. Mm-hmm. Like how did he make this decision? Was it in partnership with his wife? 
was he driven by his wife or like you know was it not was it something that he he truly want to to do he reflected about it um and he said that he knows his son doesn't hate him so he knows you know he's basically succeeded where others have failed <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> good so, metric good metric for success right right you know yeah. it's a past fail like either he succeeded yeah. or he failed yeah, yeah, yeah. so i i i thought that was that was really re- re- refreshing to hear Wow, yeah. wow, wow! Yeah, that's that's two inspiring yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I would love to speak to Daniel Ike as well. I was listening to this. Uh, I think a a, a pretty good listen. I I guess if you want to hear about like the future of like, like creators and uh, podcasting on 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 Spotify, right? Uh, there was this interview by, uh, which was pretty in depth compared to most that I've listened. It's on a podcast called Means of Creation. I don't know if you heard about it. It's by nope. this uh, two big that. creator economy folks. Uh. But they spoke to like the head of I think like podcasting at uh, Spotify, and why well, the insights he goes through and like how he shares about the listenership and all these kinds of things was super, super informative. I guess yeah yeah. Well, I thought that might be something that interests you. Yeah. Oh my god, this podcast I definitely love. It's crazy. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. It's exactly the, what I'm interested in. The passion yeah, yeah. economy. Yeah yeah yeah. The the girl is the lady Lee Jin is like the. The girl who coined that one of the I think the people who coined the, that term as well. So so she's like one of the leading people uh, thought leaders in the space. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, listen, this is this is super awesome, man. Thanks for yeah, thanks yeah, for sharing. Yeah. yeah, if I wasn't uh, if if my interests weren't so broad, I would want to do something like that as well, like uh, focus on the creator <laughs> economy and speak to all these creators and stuff, right? But but you know my interest varies from day to day, so that's why our podcast uh, audience <laughs> is very broad. <laughs> And, and as we as we as we start to wrap up this uh, pod, right, we'd love to get a few actionable insights for some of our audience as well. And as you mentioned, right, you've spoken to like I guess in the first season, sixteen folks in season one of the podcast. Do you notice any uh, common threads that they pull on behind the action strategies, intentional or otherwise, right, that these folks apply to get to the places that they wanted to? Like, are there like any you know common themes that you see? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so I'll first share the data itself. Mm-hmm. Um, four sets of data. Uh, I think I shared it briefly earlier. Mm-hmm. But the first one is that people who do four internships will earn the highest starting pay. People mm-hmm. who have first class will earn about 20% more mm-hmm. than the next level of grade. People who have at least one president in a club will earn a higher starting pay versus those that don't. And the last aspect is if they have gotten for internship, about 90% of them have gotten it via networking. Mm-hmm. So this is the data that we have crunched and we know that to be true. Um, while that is what the data tells us, um, obviously it's not attainable. Like it's very hard. La. I'll, I'll say it's very hard for you to fully attain all of the four vectors that I mentioned. Yep. Um, therefore, one thing that I typically notice that each of these people have is that there's one thing that they generally do pretty well at. Then there's another thing that they do good. Then the rest is not a point of failure. What does mm. that mean? Um, those that do for internships, right? Generally, maybe one thing as well that they do pretty good in is networking. Mm-hmm. Then the last thing that's not mm. a point of failure is like they try to at least get a second upper. Mm. Right, so it's not like they chase a first class. So yeah. that's that's what I see. So if it if it has to be actionable, if it has to be actionable. I'll say pick one, be good in another, and then the rest, right? Pass fail can already. Like mm-hmm. as long as you're all right at it, mm-hmm. then that's awesome. Spend the rest of your time, you know, drinking, you know, <laughs> go and join some group leader activities. <laughs> 
So that's 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 what uh, our say section about in terms of the resume itself. Mm-hmm. Always customize, no matter how small the customization is. Always do so. What are the three ways to customize? The first way is via the artwork. So you can follow company team, and that's one way to do it. If you want to be even more creative, you can follow a particular like product that the company sells. Second, is that work on the wording for your um, for each of your points on your resume. Go and take a look at the job that you're applying for. Use the exact same wording that they're using. So if the word that they use is that, uh, the individual must be able to translate big data or translate data, translate complex information into actionable insights. Literally on your resume, say that in this particular internship that you did, you were able to translate <laughs> X Y Z data into whatever actions. So literally say that because it helps with like their programming and coding and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So those are the two ways. First one is aesthetics. Second is the actual wording itself. Um, the third way is actually the personal story that you write, cause your resume itself essentially is not just uh the features that you have is the person that you are. You're selling features whenever you're saying what are the different datas that you're good at. But if you're selling who you are, it's kind of what are the interests that you have, right? And some of the first few internships that people get could be as simple as they got it because they were from ACJC. The guy was from ACJC and he was just curious. Another person said that because I play poker, the person was there itself, plays poker, and he saw everything else as a pass. So he's just curious <laughs> if I'll be fun. Right, and the best way to do this is to think of yourself as the person interviewing you and as the colleague that will sit beside you, because if you have someone to sit beside you for one year, surely you want the person not to be a bunch of features but a human being. So that's generally what are the trends that they give for a resume standpoint. Mm. From a cover letter standpoint, it is also quite similar aesthetics wording, but the part that is bigger than the rest is your own personal story. That part is huge. Typically, like why exactly do you join it, and and by why it's like not because it's a Fortune five hundred company, but but why is really because um for example, you can use the Ikigai framework to share why does this mm-hmm. bring you value. If the listeners are not familiar with Ikigai, go and search it up. Um, other than that. The other way to really show that you appreciate it is, I think, a personal story, something that is more close to home, right? So these are the trends that we see in terms of the data itself, the vectors of success, as well as on a resume and cover letter standpoint. Amazing, amazing! I think it's uh, super. Yeah. Like it's actually Excellent. things people can do, right? So, 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 I right. uh, hope our audience enjoys that. But I'm uh, just super curious, like as you've spoken to these people over the course of uh, close to a year and something like that. How do you think like some of these requirements are evolving, right, for uh, people to get into some of these best companies? I'm sure these companies are also, you know, are becoming more. What's the right term for it? More woke, more open to mm. other forms of where the terms of success are less defined by the papers that you hold or the grades that you get, right? Do you see this evolution uh, at least in your conversations that you've been having? Hmm. So. <laughs> No, as in I, I'm, I'm laughing because 
I, I feel this question really brings out the imposter syndrome in, in me. Like, you know, I feel like I'm commenting on some huge like category <laughs> when I'm essentially a guy who interviewed 30 people. But okay, okay, man, um, okay. I'll, I'll try and bring value where I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my perspective, based on interviewing these people, um, I'll say that there are two broad trends that's happening. One is like a race of features. So right now I say for internships, I won't be surprised if like I give you three years, five years, it'll be five internships. So I'm seeing a race of features. So it's more of a numbers game. And the very fact that four internships are the highest paying group is kind of wild, right? For four mm. internships, you essentially mm. only have how many summers? Three. Yeah. Then this <laughs> yeah. means you have done one in the midst of a part-time, right? With a school. So it is kind of crazy. Um, that's one, a race of features. The second thing that I'm seeing is societal pressure not to judge people based on the features. Mm. If you ask me, right, from mm. a company standpoint, what is the company supposed to do with the pressure of not chasing these features. I think it's very hard. I think it's very hard. It's either they willingly interview more people so that they can remove this um, feature chasing as a means to filter, or it's going to be truly difficult for them to eventually um, clear and find the right, I guess, people itself. Um, To put things into perspective, right, uh, one of the HR that I spoke to said that in one job opening within four days, she had gotten a thousand applicants. Wow. They closed it at wow. two thousand because they couldn't cope with it. Yeah. So like in two thousand applicants, right, is nuts. Uh, I ask you to help me filter it in a way that's meaningful based on personality. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you can do that, then I I think we have we have really cracked something. We've mm-hmm. really cracked something that's insane here. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that that, oh. that just highlights more about the fact of how important it is it is to stand out in terms of like all those aspects that you just mentioned earlier right yeah mm. yeah yeah um we talk a lot about getting into your dream job getting one foot in what's your take on quitting like when is the when is the good time to to quit when's the good time to move on wow asking me the tough questions <laughs> oh, good question okay. only good question wow <laughs> i love it <laughs> wow. No, I, I see why now you Thank guys don't you. send a question list over just in case it scares me. So, <laughs> so this this is one of those questions that actually when I was speaking to some of the human resource friends, they were saying like ideally shouldn't be asked mm-hmm. because, you know, they are really very, very tough, right? Who mm-hmm. can answer that much less when you have a job mm-hmm. that you're trying to protect itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I guess I'm comfortable answering it simply because I'm extrapolating off the podcast. Um, like I, I think that the, the thought of quitting, there is a high value at quitting, then there's a low value at quitting. High value at quitting means that there are pull factors, but no push factors. And what does that mean? Mm. A pull factor to enter a company, but no push factor to leave your company. That's a high value quit. Because now you're quitting for something that's better than what you already have, and not because you're running away from something. When these things happen, right, I, I think as long as you're transparent to whoever that you're talking to, at least based on what my friends tell me, the repercussions doesn't seem bad. It's not like your bridges are burned, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I haven't actually checked if they're still LinkedIn friends. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there's a low value adding quit, which is essentially anything with a push factor la, mm-hmm. that you, you choose to follow, right? Um, when it comes to low value quitting, it's a very tough conversation, right? And very hard for yeah. me to comment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll try and attempt to bring some value. For low value quitting, it's hard because 
sometimes the place really is terrible. Like if they overwork you and everything, yeah. right? And they essentially pay you nothing, and then you know, worse still, this corrupt or whatever, right? Like that's that's nuts, right? Um, but sometimes, right? There's a certain kind of, I guess, expectation to deliver, which is known already, and it's known if you like put in the due diligence to find out. For example, right? Let's say Shopee, you have to work quite hard. And this yeah. some this isn't anything that will be new as long as you go on Glassdoor. Maybe the number of hours in your mind might be new. Maybe to you work hard is like nine hours, but you know over there, I, <laughs> I think it's important to push the boundaries of what you what you know. So, if that's the case, right, then might be harder to say that you should quit because part of it is the expectation, part of it is also like a, a good grind to be at, right? Um. Generally, the approach from what I know, based on talking to all these different, I guess, mid-stage to late-stage career people, is that whenever there's a high-value ad, quit, always take it. Because it will always bring more value, and people understand that you're living for something better, not because mm-hmm. you're scared or you hate the place. But whenever it comes to a low-value ad, that's when it's best not to live in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's where you talk to other people and get some perspective. Because there will be those people that will tell you you need to have more grit. And there are mm. also those people, right, that will just be very nice to you. And to get the people that will share with you honestly, more likely they wouldn't be your friends. It will be more mentors in that kind of aspect. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. well, that's super, super wow. useful, super useful. Not yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I, I think it's been a super great conversation, Greg. I think we'll, we'll uh, start to wrap up the podcast here. But as, you know, as podcasters ourselves, I'm sure... Uh, all three of us listen to lots of podcasts. We'd love to hear from your point of view. Uh, what what are some of your favorite podcasts that you listen to? Nice. Um, my favorite podcast of all time is a uh, startup. It's oh, my favorite podcast of all time Gimlet by Gimlet one? Media. Yeah. Mm. Um, the entire podcast series literally is an insider look on how Gimlet Media grew to be acquired by two hundred million by Spotify. Mm he would literally let you listen to his failed pitch to Chris Saka. Um, mm, yeah. Feel free to Google who Chris Saka is to all the listeners out there. But he's, he's not someone who you want to screw up yeah, to yeah, yeah. if you are looking for some <laughs> money because he can really give you. Um, in there, right, you would hear really um, Alex Bloomberg like go in massive detail on how bad everything was. And eventually how good everything is. So mm. I really think it's worth your time to listen. And that's why I love it so much. Um, other than that, right, um, for more, I think, for more of my interests, I like to listen to Tim Ferriss. Ah, same, I like same. to also listen to uh, How I Built This by mm. Guy Ress. Oh, yeah. I think very that's insightful that. to listen to these people and talk to all the leaders out there and how they essentially learn and build things and do all of their different things, right? I, I don't think it has made me a better person. But, <laughs> but it has made yeah, me yeah. someone who can quote some leaders. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. made me conversationally more acute. Yeah. Yeah, but, you and, know. And, uh, and, and doesn't hurt that Guy Raz's voice is silky oh, smooth, yeah. right? Correct. It's, it's, it's pretty soothing. It's pretty soothing, yeah. right? Um, and, and lastly, for a more, uh, for a more functional podcast that I listen to, I like to listen to Grow the Show, where they break down how exactly to grow a podcast. Oh, wow. I also like to listen mm-hmm. to um, the, the content of marketing. Mm. 
So content of marketing is this guy interviewing people that basically grew like million followers. Wow. And how they monetize and how they grew their followership. That guy, he also shares about his own personal story growing um, his, his podcast itself. So you will get a sense like how tough it is, lah, you know. <laughs> so oh, oh, very, interesting, yeah, yeah. very interesting there are some recommendations here that I haven't yeah. heard before so so we'll right. add that to our list and right. and and maybe just to wrap it up Greg uh, would love if you can tell our audience also where people can find you and your podcast awesome uh, so right our podcast is called One Foot In that's number one then foot in so please do not spell the one don't spell O-N-E put number one then F-O-O-T then I-N so once you have that uh, you can search us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're also in a bunch of long-tail podcasts like iHeartRadio, Amazon, Echo, if you want to listen to. So search us up, One Foot In. We have released Season 1 already, and we're going to release Season 2 this coming Thursday, which is the 5th of August. So in Season 2, right, I'm super like excited to announce that we have another series in there not just 16 episodes of graduates we have also a series where we interview mid to upper management like the vp of brand love bonito we have vp of hr adidas senior partner uh, in deloitte so very interesting um these people at different levels would really share how they kind of got there what are some of the things that they think about at their level we've even asked the senior partner in Deloitte, one of the toughest questions, which is how does he decide to promote someone? How does he decide to, you know, take someone for a bit of a conversation in terms of their, their career, right? So wow. we ask those questions. Um, so stay tuned, follow us. And I'm super excited to bring this to everyone. And there you have it. Amazing. So, well, Greg, uh, this has been super fun. Uh, it's our first time interviewing a fellow podcaster as well. So it's been an uh, utter blast. I uh, really appreciate all the time and all the insights as well as uh, sharing your story, building up one foot in today. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, awesome. Greg. If you like what you heard, please help us subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you think and tell us who else you want on the pod. You can go to ricepeoplepodcast.com where you can find every episode of this podcast complete with transcripts and show notes. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>